When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and the Strictly Stripes podcast. I'm Dan Lobby, and I'm joined today by Ashley Bastock and also Andrew Gillis, who covers the Bengals for Cleveland.com. Andrew, welcome to uh, welcome to our Orange and Brown Talk feed. It's been a little while. Been a little while. Um, thanks for having me on. Hopefully, I uh, I don't screw this up too bad or, or turn anybody <laughs> away from uh, from an off season edition of this. So hopefully, uh, hopefully people enjoy this. This is uh, this will be fun. Yeah, so we're, we're kind of introducing Andrew here to our, our drafts that we do uh, here in the off season as we kind of try and fill some time before training camp. And what we're going to do today is we're going to draft position groups in the AFC North. So uh, pretty straightforward. You could draft, you know, a team's wide receivers, a team's offensive line, a team's defensive line. Uh, just a couple things uh, that to keep in mind. We're separating wide receivers and tight ends. Uh, pretty obvious there. Uh, we're doing full secondaries, so not cornerbacks and safeties. It's just full secondaries, and we are not doing quarterbacks. That's the really important thing in this draft. So um, we're not looking at quarterback rooms at all. Every position group is on the table. We can draft multiple position groups if we want. Um, and really, this is the first year we've done the position group draft, so I'm sure there'll be some surprise. We're just kind of making it up as we go. So uh, so bear with us there. Uh, I have the draft lottery generator up on my screen. I'm going to hit submit, and we'll have our draft order here shortly. Pick one is going to be Andrew. Pick two go. is going to be Ashley, and I will have the third pick. I think since there's only three of us, we'll just do a straight draft. We won't make this a snake. So, yeah. Andrew, you're up. You get to go number one overall. Wow, I feel like I just got uh, Victor Wembanyama. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, the uh, yeah, you know, this was hard. You know, as we kind of, as you kind of mentioned the rules of this, I was kind of thinking like, oh god, I have to pick a position group in the AFC North now. Um, and you know, the, I, the thing that I found was that I was trying to find a reason not to take the Bengals receivers. Um, I like. I didn't want to seem like a homer. I didn't want to come across as oh, here's this Cincinnati guy taking taking the Bengals. But I'm going to take the Bengals receivers first. Um, you know, I just, you, especially when you consider positional value in the league, you've got one of the best receivers in the game in Jamar Chase. I think you've got one of the most criminally underrated receivers in the game in T Higgins. I mean, you're talking about a guy who would be a number one receiver. I mean, he would be a number one receiver in Cleveland. He would be a number one receiver in Baltimore. I think he would be the number one receiver in Pittsburgh over Pickens. Like you're, you're talking about a guy who would be the number one in a lot of different places. I, I think T Higgins is really, really good. Then you add Tyler Boyd in the slot. I mean, that's a luxury that teams sometimes don't even have for their number two receiver. They just drafted Charlie Jones in the in the fourth round. He's their kind of fourth option, and you know I think he's kind of a nice little underneath route for uh, for Joe Burrow. So yeah, I, Bengals receivers. I, I feel really good about that. Um, again, I was looking for a reason to pick to not pick them, and and I just couldn't find one. Well, if you're trying to avoid the Homer thing, I can tell you that I had the Bengals on the top of my board. Ashley, did Good. you know the Bengals number one? 
Yeah, that was like kind of the <laughs> the obvious answer, I think, for me. So don't worry, Andrew. We are we are in agreement with you here. I think there's kind of no denying that it's. I I think like I tried to weigh positional value as well, so that was part of my reasoning. And I mean, I think it's the deepest and most tested receiver room in the division. So I think this is the the correct pick here. And I think as we go along, that there's some of these position groups where I'm like, I really like them, but they're not proven. And there's a handful that it's like, I know what they are. I know how good they are. I've seen it. And this is this is probably the best of that group. We've just seen what they can do. The only argument I could make against them was there was a Browns coach who said that when uh, when a couple of these receivers left the game against the Browns, it actually made life harder. So I don't know. Maybe the maybe the Trents or what is it Trent Irwin and the, the was there another Trent maybe the Trent, Trents are, Trent are push this over the top yeah Trent Irwin and Trent Taylor and and trust me when I started on the beat I thought they were the same person for like a couple of days <laughs> so don't uh, don't feel bad about not knowing well, our joke during know. our joke during that game in Cincinnati was the Browns let a bunch of dudes named Trent beat them and it's true <laughs> <laughs> I will say so you said something about T Higgins there. Um, about mm-hmm. where where he would be the number one receiver, and I, I think that's an interesting discussion because I think, you know, in Baltimore he'd definitely be number one. You could maybe argue between him and Deontay Johnson, but I, I think it's a legitimate case to make um, in Pittsburgh. And then, I, I guess with Amari Cooper, see, this is maybe where I would be a homer. I would maybe take right. Amari Cooper over T. Higgins, but mm-hmm. it is close. Yeah, I mean, Cooper to me is a better route runner, obviously, but. I mean, you don't want to numbers, you know, you know, you don't want to just do this by the numbers. You don't want to, you know, stat box scout. You don't want to do any of that. Um, you know, but, but Cooper, you know, had just over a thousand yards last year. And trust me, I know his quarterback situation was, was less than ideal. You know, even when Deshaun came back, I mean, how many guys have Jamar or uh, how many guys have, have Joe Burrow throwing them the football, but also how many guys have, um, have, have Jamar Chase kind of ahead of you on the depth chart. Um, so yeah, you know, you look at the games where, where Jamar went out with a hip injury. Um, I should have been better prepared and had the numbers individually, but uh, T was averaging like a hundred yards a game. Um, you know, when Jamar was out, I mean, he was a number one receiver when, when Jamar left that offense. So yeah, you know, I just think that, you know, with T's athleticism, um, you know, with his physicality, I, I think that you're looking at a guy who, if he leaves Cincinnati, he's going to get paid. And I, and I think some team is going to find him uh, and, and they're going to be very happy to have him as their number one receiver. So, and I promise we're not going to spend like 10 minutes on every single pick, but since we do have, have you here, you know, when you talk yeah. about the future of this receiving core and of course, Joe Burrow is going to get paid here at, at some point, whether it's this off season or next off season, he's going to get paid a lot of money. How long can the Bengals keep this group together? Um, this group individually, if you're talking about T Higgins, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, theoretically, you could do it 12 years, you know, theoretically, it's possible to do it for, for a length, for a significant length of time. Tyler Boyd's probably going to leave. I think you can probably see the writing on the wall there that, that Tyler Boyd is probably going to depart in the off season. Um, you know, he's coming up on a contract year, you know, there are other decisions coming, uh, Joe Mixon's got two years left on a deal that's going to pay him a lot of money. You know, Trey Hendrickson's going into a year where he's got this year and then going into next year, the Bengals can save like $15 million. So as a team, the group is not going to stay together. This is kind of the last run. But if you're solely talking the receivers and Joe Burrow, I mean, it's a lot of money. 
because Joe Burrow is about to become very, very rich. But, you know, if you, if you say, say you even commit 60 mil to Joe Burrow, 30 mil to Jamar Chase, I mean, are you willing to commit 110, 115 to three players? Like that, that's a lot of money. But I think if you kind of look at the NFL salary cap structure and, and how things can be done and void years and all those things that we don't understand, you know, there are there are a lot of different ways you can put money into a vacuum and, and kind of make it easier on yourself. So, you know, I actually think that, you know, kind of the outside narrative is that I, I think it, I, I feel in the middle because it feels like the internal narrative in Cincinnati is, well, of course, they're going to keep T Higgins and Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow together. Obviously, they keep them together. And then outside, it's like, well, obviously they can't do that. Obviously, they're going to trade T. Higgins for a first and a fifth round pick come the offseason, and some team's going to pay him like A.J. Brown. But, you know, I, I think it's somewhere in the middle. I, I think that it's it's absolutely possible, and it just kind of depends on uh, on how you can make the money work. All right, I'm glad I don't have this pick. Ashley, <laughs> you are up at number two. Yeah, I like I hate having this pick, and I am also going to have to make the case for not being a homer. And before I make this pick, I will say – there were two other position groups on the Browns that I think overall are maybe more talented, but because of positional value, I have to take the Browns D line. And I think here, and I don't know, Dan, if you were even going this route, I was between the Browns D line and the Steelers D line. And how do you decipher between the two? When PFF did their positional rankings, the Steelers were five, the Browns were six in this group. I think what's interesting about this, and I think part of the reason why they put the Browns beneath the Steelers is because a lot of these guys are new. But for me, why I'm putting them above the Steelers is because I think it's going to work, number one. And I think this is the best defensive line Miles Garrett has played with, which we did talk about on a recent podcast overall. And I think they have more depth than the Steelers, especially when you consider like Cam Hayward, you know, he's really good, but he's getting up there in age. He's 34 now. Um, you have to have Alex Highsmith have another big year again. TJ Watt, you know, had a good year, but still not his best year because of that injury. So I'm going to go with the Browns D-line here because I think what they can do with Zedarius Smith is going to be key in this defense. The fact that they can move him around, I think this defense is going to, this defensive line is going to have a chance to put up some really big numbers with this, what we've already seen from this scheme and Jim Schwartz. Um, so that's kind of what led me to my decision. And, you know, Miles Garrett, always the PFF darling over here. We just did a whole podcast recently about how we think Miles Garrett can have a career year. And if that happens for me, I'm, I'm riding with this defensive line this year. Okay, so I see this is interesting. I think this is where we get into projection versus like what we've seen. Um, and, yeah, but, you know, for, for the sake of this, we all included TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith. We included them as defensive linemen, uh, even though in that, that Steelers scheme, they're technically linebackers, but whatever, that's no fun. Um, we've seen what the Steelers D-line can do together. We've seen what the Bengals D-line can do, Andrew. The Browns is very much, outside of Miles Garrett, it's very much like potential. You know, is Darius Smith going to be the double-digit sack guy he's been before, or, you know, is he on the decline? Is Obo Garonquo going to be the, the guy they thought they're get is he going to be the second half of the season guy last year? Or is he going to be the guy he's been for the, the four and a half years before that? Dalvin Tomlinson, the big money signing. This is all sort of projection, whereas the Steelers and Bengals, I think we know what they are. Would you have the Browns as the best D line of these of those three? Yeah, the the projection point is is a good way to say it. I would lean no. Um, just you know, I, I think the pro- 
man, see, this is already hard and we're at pick number two. Um, you know, I just, you know, you look at kind of one of the, you know, one of the things that struck me is, as I kind of look through this, um, you know, look through the, you know, the stats and stuff like that was obviously everybody knows Miles Garrett's a freak. Everybody knows how good he is. And then you kind of look after Miles Garrett and you start to tug on your collar a little bit and go, oh, well, what else did, you know, what else did they really have? And, and how else did they get after the quarterback? Um, you know, so that to me is is kind of interesting because I think, you know, if if you can get a complimentary pass rush from Zadarius Smith, I think, you know, that can really kind of boost the defensive line to a level that you you need to, to kind of earn this selection and kind of earn that type of nod of, you know, hey, this is one of the best defensive lines in the division or in the sport. Um, I I would still lean Pittsburgh over Cleveland, but I think if Zadari, like the projection, I could see it. From what we've seen, I, I don't think so. But if, from the projection going into 2023, I could absolutely see it. And then, I you know, I don't want to spoil picks here, but, you know, I, I guess, you know, you're around that you see this Bengals D-line every single week. Where do you kind of see them in this mix because obviously Trey Hendrickson has been really good uh Sam Hubbard I has sort of been a he's been a really nice compliment and then you throw the, the DJ reader part of it into the equation that's a good kind of underrated D-line yeah it really is um you know especially when when you start to look at some of the advanced numbers you know pass rush win rates and and things like that um you know like Sam Hubbard and and um, and Trey Henderson, those are the guys who, when you look at, you know, hey, how how did they do in in run rate, in, in winning their pat, you know, in winning pass reps and things like that. Those guys actually look really, really, uh, you know, or, or the numbers look really, really kindly upon those guys when when you kind of dig into that. Problem with the with the Bengals defensive line is that they had thirty sacks last year. Uh, which is not good. Um, obviously, um, you know, you're, you rank 29th in the league in sacks. You've got to get after the quarterback more. And I understand, you know, that you can win, you can win reps, you can do all those things. You can, you can force hurries, you can force pressures, you can do all of that. But at some point, first and 10 has to become second and 16. Like at some point, you know, third and 10 has to become a sack. Like at some point you've got to bring the quarterback down and, and create negative plays. So, I mean, in terms of talent, I would probably put them third, but if, if you were to honestly say output of, of the defensive line, you, you probably have to put them fourth. Um, as crazy as that sounds, just because, you know, you look at the Ravens front and how, ah, well, what are they? Who knows? Blah, blah, blah. The Ravens dial up pressure and the Ravens get after you and, and, and you kind of look at the end of a year. It feels like every year you look at the Ravens, huh? Who had seven sacks? You know, who had five and a half sacks for this team? Like the the Ravens will get after you. So I think in talent, the Ravens are last, but I, I wouldn't put them last in terms of uh in terms of kind of what you see on the field. Yeah, my notes I have the Ravens as as a team. Like I probably wouldn't pick them in this draft, but mm-hmm. somehow they like you said, they always figure out a way to generate pressure. Yeah. Um so I'll go number I'll go number three here, and I guess I'll be the only non homer on on the podcast. I am going to go ahead and take the Steelers defensive line here. Um, I, it was going to be them or another group. It actually wasn't going to be the Browns defensive line as, as my other option here, but I'll take the Steelers uh, D line third. Again, TJ Watt starts there, former defensive player of the year, had a little bit of a down year last year, of course, was dealing with injuries uh, as well, but we, we've all seen the way that he can wreck games. Uh, mentioned Alex Highsmith as well. Uh, 14 and a half sacks last year, kind of a breakout year for him. And to me, the 
you know, Ashley, this is a guy that we've talked a lot about on this podcast. The The difference maker here to me is Cam Hayward. He, he's not a guy that gets talked about as much among the elite defensive tackles in the game. But even, you know, now in his mid-30s, he's still one of those elite interior defenders. And I think he's kind of the the separator for me when I talk about these defensive lines. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair to rank him so highly. I think, again, for me, it's like when when I was projecting for the Browns, it's like I think that projection is warranted because of like all the pieces they added in Miles Garrett and his talent kind of force your hand that like Miles alone puts them up there. So then you have to do, you know, the, the projection and go that next step. But Cam is proven, right? Like that's a guy who they need a guy like that in Cleveland. Um, and they've been trying to find a guy in the middle who can kind of be that effective. And, you know, ideally, maybe they have found it with the mixture of, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson and being able to throw Zadarius Smith inside and maybe that competition for your other D tackle spot um, gives you somebody else as well to kind of throw into the rotation. But Cam is just, I think, an underrated part because of how much the Steelers edge rushers have been talked about in recent years. But for me still, it's like these two position groups were neck and neck. Like, I think they're definitely a first round pick. All right, so we've got Bengals wide receivers one, Browns D-line two, Steelers D-line three. So, Andrew, you're up at number four. Yeah, um, well, I'm taking a risk here um, because I'm, I'm going to pick a Browns position group. So, I mean, I'm ready to be absolutely told why I'm wrong by you guys. <laughs> uh, hopefully you'll tell me why I'm right. Um, you know, like Ashley and I talked about, I kind of struggled with, uh, with positional value here. There were some positions where you look at, well, is this more important than the other, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I'm going to go Browns offensive line next. Um, I just think an offensive line is so critical in the league. You, you obviously, I mean, I, I, I took the Bengals receivers, um, you know, first, but I mean, if you don't have anyone blocking for you up front, I mean, sometimes you'll have Joe Burrow, like, you know, he's seen in Cincinnati running for his life. Um, I, I just think with, you know, you have Batonio there, um, you have Wyatt Teller. I, I know they were banged up last year. They have the center's name, Posich or whatever that I can't pronounce. Um, you know, they've got, uh, Wills and Conklin, like, it's a unit that most teams in the league would be very, very envious to have. Um, they obviously run block very well. Um, they've got some help behind them with Nick Chubb. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they're just a really, really solid unit. And um, I, I feel good about taking them both kind of positional value included and, and kind of talent of the unit overall. You talked that up like it was going to be controversial, and then you made the absolute <laughs> right pick there at, yeah. at number four. Okay. <laughs> well, see, I see. I was just see because I was I just I mean like I I worry about everything all the time, so I was just kind of worried that I was going to make that pick, and you guys are going to be like, "Yeah, didn't you see Batonio blew his knee last week, and he's out for the year <laughs> or something?" Or yeah, why would you do that? And I've got and me the not Cleveland Browns writers trying to tell Cleveland Browns writer writers why they're wrong. It would have been I was just terrified of that being a disaster. I, that's actually relatable. There's so many times on, on this podcast that I'm like, I start talking about another team and then I'm just waiting for somebody to tweet at me like, hey, idiot, this guy's out for the year. He got hurt in some random practice in April. Okay, I guess I missed that. Um, Ashley, I know we're not including coaches in this, but the Browns also have probably the best offensive line coach in, in football too, in, in Bill Callahan. And yeah. I, I think we've seen kind of the fruits of that when a guy like Ethan Posich who was brought in as the backup last year now all of a sudden he's really good and he's your long-term center 
Yeah, Ethan Posick was an insurance policy and then came in and had like the maybe like the best season of his career. And again, not to make this an Ethan Posick pod, which we all know I am happy to do, but like the fact that Bill Callahan can take a guy with that prototypical size at like 6'6 and have him pool the way he did. I mean, truly, the way these guys have latched on to that scheme um, is it's a match made in heaven, I think. And this was obviously, I think, one of the position groups I was alluding to in the first round. Andrew, if you didn't take them, I was going to take them next. So I think this is the right spot for them, um, just because I weighed, I think, positional value a bit higher here. But this is, I still think, one of the best offensive lines in football, even though I think there are some questions, like can Jack Conklin stay healthy? Do they have good tackle depth? What's going to happen with Jed Wills long term? Um, you got Batonio, you got Wyatt Teller, who another guy who needs to stay healthy this year, um, and you're in a good spot at center now. Maybe you have too many centers on the roster that you kind of have to figure out. Um, so yeah, I really think this is one of the Browns' overall strongest position groups and one of the strongest offensive lines in the league. How good is Joe Burrow behind this line, Andrew? Oh God. Um, I mean, <laughs> I think if Joe Burrow had this line, I I looked up. I remember when they signed Orlando Brown Jr. I looked up a stat, and I think only three games of Joe Burrow's career, playoffs included, he hasn't been sacked. Um, now, look, not all sacks are created equal. I think early on in Joe's career, and Joe has admitted this, you know, early on in Joe's career, Joe runs around a little bit too much and tries to make too much happen on first and 10. It's okay to do that on third and four when, you know, you're at midfield and you need a first down. Um, I, I mean... There's nothing that you – I mean, you could tell me that Joe Burrow gets the first 22 picks and I'm still not picking Joe Burrow over Patrick Mahomes. Um, but I, I think there would be if, – if you if, if Joe Burrow had that amount of time, I don't think there's any debate. I think it's a clear one-two punch of, of, okay, it's Mahomes and then it's Burrow and then we get to tier three and we can talk about everybody else. Okay, so Ashley, you are up now at number five uh, following the Browns O-line pick. Yeah, so I am once again, I think, going to be a homer because I can't justify leaving Nick Chubb on the board still. Now, the argument to take the Browns running back room lower this year would be it has lost depth, right? Kareem Hunt's no longer here unless something crazy happens. Dearness Johnson is gone. But Nick Chubb, I think, is still arguably the best running back in the game. He's an elusive runner. He's a powerful runner. I think he alone carries the weight of this room, kind of regardless of what else they would maybe do, kind of regardless of what happens with Jerome Ford. Um, and I will say I was between them and a, a Ravens position, at Raven, the Ravens secondary, actually. But that group kind of took so long to come together last year, even though it has higher positional value. I'm not as comfortable doing the projection there because probably because I'm not watching those guys every day the same way I am with the Browns D line. But I think Browns running backs have to go here based on Nick Chubb alone. Yeah, this is this was a tough one because it is kind of Nick Chubb. This is the one position where you're taking this group because of one guy. I mean, is, is Nick Chubb that good, Andrew? I mean... I think so. Like, if you were to rank the depth of the of the division, I mean, the Bengals are. It's what's the Moneyball quote? There's you know, there's rich teams, there's poor teams, and there's fifty feet of crap, and then there's us. Well, the Bengals are the us, so they're at the bottom, and so th- if disregard them. But like, I I think the bra- like if if you were to kind of rank one two punches, J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, I mean, that's a really good one two punch. Uh, Najee Harris and. Um, 
the name, the running back I'm forgetting in Pittsburgh, the um, McFarland um, or whatever is whatever. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I, like I, I have, I'll look him up here. I, I can picture him <laughs> running. He's a smaller guy, uh, but yeah. him, like you can make you can make a you can make a case that he's um, you know that he's better. But yeah, it just you know I think that. Um, Nick Chubb is just is so good in terms of what you can do. Jalen Warren, that's his name. Dang, I can't believe I forgot Jalen <laughs> Warren. Uh, but yeah, Nick Chubb, I think is is that good, be, especially at this position. You know, it's not like you're taking you know Jamar Chase and then there's a bunch of eh behind him. You know, it's a position where you're only going to put one out there. So yeah, I, I think Nick Chubb is that is that good, and I think it also kind of makes sense to to take him there. Okay, so Ashley kind of alluded to this, uh, one of the positions that, that she was thinking about. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to grab our first Ravens group off the board. I'm going to go ahead and take um, that Ravens defensive backfield. They were slow last year to kind of come around, but I still think that's a really good group. You've still got Marlon Humphrey there. I actually really like their safeties. Um, you know, they've got Kyle Hamilton uh, in his second year. I think he's a really... I mean, that's just such a Ravens pick. Um, I love it uh, from, from two drafts ago. And, and I just trust this group to kind of pick up where they left off last year. I think this is the sec. I think this is the best secondary in the North. Now, some Browns fans might hear this and want to make a case for the Browns. And again, I think a lot of that is projection uh, more than like a Ravens team that has actually done it um, consistently. So I'm going to take the, our first Ravens position off the board here. At, at number six to end the second round do either of you think, I mean, Ashley, you said you were thinking about taking them. I mean, am, am I taking them too high here? Is this right no. for them? Should this no. be the first Ravens group? Yeah, I, I think so. And like, I think I would make a case against it being the first Ravens group. If we had gone the route of combining like receivers and tight ends and just saying pass catchers, because like, I think in that case, you have a guy in Mark Andrews who would elevate the pass-catching core to me if we were considering them as one entity. Um, but I think this is right, just given the fact like they did kind of come around. And we saw the Browns kind of pick them apart early in that first matchup in Baltimore that the Browns ended up losing. Um, but I do think that this is probably the right spot for them. Like it's the strong, like one of, if not the strongest group on their defense to me still. And you know, no Marcus Peters. Uh, I think he's still a free agent. So who knows? Maybe he ends up back there randomly, but that might actually be. Wasn't Marcus Peters who they kept picking on, who the Browns kept picking on. Yeah. And that was sort of where I was going. Like, it seemed Mm -hmm. like a lot of teams as, as Peters was getting older, really were starting to pick on him. We know he's he's really aggressive, bites on double moves. And, uh, you know, Andrew, I don't know if, if the Bengals did this a lot, but I know the Browns, at least in the first matchup against the Ravens last year, uh, they, they were just going after Marcus Peters all day. And that was with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, it was it was one of those things. You know, I actually had – it was funny enough, I had the unique perspective of covering Marcus Peters. I was there when they traded for him in Baltimore. And, and um, you know, you that was pretty much what that defense needed to kind of, you know – strapped themselves to the rocket ship that was Lamar in 2019. Um, you know, they, they needed a player like that. And, you know, see, it, it was a little sad, you know, seeing him be that good, you know, and then he blew his knee going into the 2021 season and he just really wasn't the same. And it, it kind of struck me a little Josh Normany, um, you know, when, you know, you have a player who is 
really, really football smart. I think that that was kind of one of the underrated things about Marcus Peters because there's so much else to talk about. I mean, Marcus Peters is a really, really smart football player. And when you can read routes and make jumps like that, you don't have to be the most athletic guy in the world. But when that athleticism dips a little bit and it's even more of a liability, then it's just a problem. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, the the, the Bengals certainly were not going to throw to uh, to Marlon Humphrey's side of the field. That's for sure. Okay, I'm a, a quick aside here, and then we're going to take a break. But I'm as we talk about Marlon Humphrey and we get into these secondaries. So there's Marlon Humphrey, there's Chidobia Wuzie, there's Denzel Ward. Uh, I don't think I'm forgetting anybody with the Steelers. Uh, of those three, who who do we think is the best corner in the North? Because I think Wuzie, I think people kind of forgot about him last year because he got yeah. hurt on Halloween. And I think people forgot how good he is. Yeah, to me, Cheeto was playing at a Pro Bowl level when he got hurt. You know, I think, um, you know, we talked so much about, I, th- I think we actually talked on this podcast, you know, leading into both of the games, like, you know, the Bengals defense is one of those defenses where, you know, you know, the the whole is better than the sum of its parts. Like the, it was just, it was a unique kind of mix. And I still say Marlon Humphrey is the best corner in the division. Um, you know, I, I think Cheeto is perpetually kind of underrated. Like you said, I think he was really, really playing at a high level last year, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to side with Marlon Humphrey on this one. I, I guess we could throw Patrick Peterson yeah. into the mix for Pittsburgh. I always forget he's, <laughs> he's with the Steelers. I, I, you know, I mean, but Ashley, when you look at those three, that's a really good trio of, of top corners on, on yeah. three different teams. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I would lean either Marlon Humphrey or Denzel, but probably Humphrey. That's kind of what I'm thinking. It's like about, it was about everything else happening throughout the rest of that Ravens defense last year, more that it just, I don't know. And like the injuries and everything like that. So I, I would still say him, I think, cause I'm sitting here thinking about it, contemplating. Okay. Let's take a break. And then when we come back, Andrew's going to go back on the clock here to start the third round. Welcome back to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and the Strictly Stripes podcast, a crossover edition, Dan Lobby with Andrew Gillis, Ashley Bastock. We are drafting AFC North position groups. Here's where we are so far. Andrew started us off with the Bengals wide receivers. Then Ashley took the Browns D-line. I took the Steelers D-line. Andrew took the Browns O-line. Ashley took the Browns running backs. And I took the Ravens defensive backs at number six. So, uh, we'll go at least one more round here. If we're, if we're feeling it, maybe we'll throw in one more. But uh, let's start here the third round, Andrew. Pick number seven. Yeah, th- this was hard for me. Um, you know, obviously we're getting into the nitty-gritty here. But um, uh, yeah, to me, it was between two Ravens position groups that I was debating between. Um, you know, and and the more that I kind of thought about it, the more that I decided it is actually not the Ravens tight ends. It's actually the Ravens linebackers. Um, you know, I, I, as Ashley throws her hands in the air, I think I stole her pick. Um, but, um, you know, I, Mark Andrews is great. You know, Mark Andrews is really good. Um, he's, he's one of the best tight ends in the game. I think their backup tight end, Isaiah likely is a really, really nice backup. Um, you know, really athletic, but I mean, Roquan Smith, I mean, he changed that defense very, very significantly when he when he got traded there last season. Um, you know, you add him in that mix. I mean, there were just their numbers, their DVOA, their yards per game. Everything got better when he got there. You have that kind of patrolling piece over the middle. 
who puts everyone in a position and, by the way, is really, really good at what he does. Um, I know there's a linebacker positional value debate to be had about, you know, kind of where things are at with that. But Roquan is so good that I, that I feel good kind of putting him there, um, you know, as kind of, you know, one of the better linebackers, better off-ball linebackers in the division. And then you have Patrick Queen, who's going to play right next to him. Now you don't have Patrick Queen with all those responsibilities. You can kind of get him to play a little bit more freely. I, I, that's a really, really nice one-two punch there. So I'm going to take the Ravens linebackers and uh, you know feel good, uh, feel good about that. I, I think I've got a team from the Bengals, the or a position group from the Bengals, the Browns, and the Ravens now. So uh, maybe we'll have to go Steelers if we do round four. Yeah, there we go, yeah, representing exactly. the whole division. Ashley, I. I don't know why, but the Roquan Smith trade just made me angry because it was just too. It was like it was too. Perfect. Of course, yeah. It was yeah. like too. Like things the aren't Steelers supposed are to be Ravens like that. Trade. Yeah, yeah. It's things aren't supposed Ravens to happen trade. like that. Yeah, and it's like the fact. And Andrew, you were getting at this, but like him and Patrick Queen played so well together once he got there that they like could potentially have two like superstar linebackers on their team now. And I think it's such a Ravens pairing. It's so. Just like you said, it's like, of course the Ravens do this. Um, And yes, it was going to be my next pick um, because I do think, you know, for linebacker groups, this is, to me, like the strongest one in the division. Okay, let's move on then. Ashley, you can go ahead and make your next pick. Picking up the pieces after you lost the player that was right there on your board. Yeah, I'm going to take the other group Andrew mentioned. Just I'm going to take the Ravens tight ends. Basically, you know, this is a Mark Andrews pick. So I have two picks essentially based on one player. I do not love this draft for myself, quite honestly. But I think, like, I am honing in on Mark Andrews because, I mean, Dan, you'll, you know this too. Like, for so many years, we were like, God, if the Browns could just have a tight end, like, George Kittle or Mark Andrews. Like, we're constantly saying, can David Njoku become George Kittle or Mark Andrews? Like, I think this is the guy. And there was one other Ravens wildcard pick I have. So I think we could potentially do a fourth round if we are interested. But I'm going to go with this right now. You know exactly what I'm talking about, probably. I, th- I think we're in because yeah. Andrew's got to get, he's got to rep the whole division. And, yeah. And I think we're this, in that sneaky pick. So I've, yeah. I've got to admit something. I actually, as I was just listing positions, so I had them <laughs> to go through this draft. I completely forgot to put tight ends on, we should have just on my list. Combined pass catchers, <laughs> but it's too late now. It's too late now. I think, I mean, if we, if we're only going like nine or 12 deep, I think this would maybe be the only group of tight ends I would take. And it really is yeah. just that one guy. Although, I do, I do wonder if somebody out there would sneak like Najoku and Jordan Akins. You could make an argument for it, enough. I think. Yeah, you could make an argument, I think. Hey, Andrew, what's the state of the Bengals tight end room? Not good. Um, <laughs> you know, they um, everybody all, frankly, admittedly, uh, you know, they say in journalism, root for yourself. I was rooting for Michael Mayer to be the 28th pick of the, of the first round for the Bengals. Uh, local kid across the river in Kentucky. Um, you know, went to Notre Dame, like it was this just, you know, slam dunk pick, couldn't get any easier than that. But if, oh, but everybody told, you know, oh, if they don't pick Michael Mayer, they're going to take one in the second round, obviously. And they just never did. They didn't take a tight end in the NFL draft at all. Um, and then you, you lose Hayden Hurst and you replace him with Irv Smith Jr. Um, I actually like what Irv Smith Jr. can bring to them. I think one of the things that they haven't really had from the tight end position um, and the Bengals love tight ends. I mean, they've I mean they've drafted some some tight ends pretty highly in the past. You know, is that you, you need that kind of down the seam threat 
And when you've got the receivers that you do, I mean, that's terrifying for a defense to kind of say, okay, well, if Jamar Chase and T Higgins are, you know, running 20, 25 yards down the field, do we drop our safeties back and cover them? Or do we just leave an ocean for Irv Smith Jr. and Joe Burrow? So, you know, I actually think Irv Smith Jr. is going to have a really good year, but he's also had some injury problems in his, in his career. And I have questions about that going into the year, because if he gets hurt, then your tight end room is Drew Sample and Devin Asiasi. And I, I'm not feeling terribly great about that. So, you know, I, I, I think the Bengals needed to invest more in tight end than they did. Um, I can see why they didn't just kind of the, by the picks that they made. But um, I mean, tight end is not one of their strong suits. You can get away with that when you have, you know, the best position group in the division. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's not ideal. And if Irv Smith Jr. goes down, it's going to be a, pro- it's going to be bad. It's going to be a problem. Okay. My next pick is not the correct pick. There's probably a position that's better, but this is me like, Ashley, you know, this, I have had a a draft crush on one of these particular players for a long time. I like this position group. I do wonder if their quarterback holds them back a little bit. Um, I like, I mean, I'm going to take the Steelers wide receivers. I like Deontay Johnson. I still think he's one of the better receivers in, in the game. I think he's still an impact guy. Um, Allen Robinson is interesting. Now he's like two years removed from his best seasons in Chicago, but I do wonder if the Steelers can maybe drag some of that production back out of him and George Pickens. I can't help it. I can't, I can't quit George Pickens. I just meant that. We love George Pickens on this podcast. We advocated hard for the Browns to take him at 44 last year. Yeah, the, the, the Browns probably should have taken him last year in the second round. They, they, you know, they ended up trading that pick. Uh, they came away came away with David Bell at, at 99. And, of course, they took Martin Emerson with, with one of the picks they acquired. Um, I this is There are other position groups that are better than this. And, the, and there's one in particular that I definitely should have taken over this group. But this is just... My draft, this is like, you know, I'm a GM. I fell in love with somebody in the draft that nobody else really had this high. I just like the Steelers wide receiver room. Andrew, why am I wrong? Um, <laughs> I don't know if you're wrong. That's that's the hard thing to, to say. I mean, I, Deontay Johnson's really good. I, I mean, I, I'm with you on Pickens. I, I love Pickens. Um, I mean, the Steelers will draft anybody in the in a, in the draft, and you know, fifth round, sixth round, first round doesn't matter, and they're going to be a good receiver. I mean, maybe with the exception of Lima Swede, um, that's hard. Um, I don't think you're wrong. I think you're. I think you're actually on the money on that one. I'm. I'm a big fan of that pick. Yeah, Dan. I think too. Like you know, Andrew was saying, Pickens. I think really once you once you like love a receiver, like I think you have become to appreciate what George Pickens can do. I think that can kind of propel you to take this position group here. I don't hate it. Um, I, I'd be curious to see. I don't know if people are like, why, aren't, why are you overlooking the Browns receiving core over the Steelers? But like you said, I am curious how much of this is their quarterback play simply holding this group back. We've seen George Pickens make some big plays. Um, and I think him alone, like you can kind of argue that this could be a tough receiver room for the next handful of years up in Pittsburgh. So I I don't hate them being taken in this draft. Yeah. So the Browns receiver room was interesting. And again, that's one of those, like there's, it's more of like a potential play. It's Amari Cooper. And then it's like, if Elijah Moore is who we think he is, if Donovan Peoples Jones can, can have the season he had, there's just too many ifs there for me to, to take them 
uh, obviously not taking them anywhere near where, where I'm taking the Bengals, but still a little few too many ifs there for me to take them over the Steelers. All right, we're going to do it. We're going to do one more round here. So here's where we're at after three rounds. Real quick. Bengals wide receivers, one to Andrew. Browns D-line, two to Ashley. I took the Steelers D-line, three. Then it was Browns O-line, Browns running backs, Ravens DBs, Ravens linebackers, Ravens tight ends, and Steelers wide receivers. So, Andrew, this uh, is going to yeah, be your you last know, I, I, was, I was trying to look down the list and see that how I could appease Steelers fans so I could just do you know one from every list. I'm not going to take a Steelers position group. I do think it's interesting that only one Bengals position has been taken, and it was the first pick. Um, I mean, I think it goes to show you that – I mean, frankly, I think if we were doing you know quarterbacks included – uh, we're, I mean, Joe Burrow's going one. So, I mean, I think that that's pretty clear, but, uh, I'm going to go off the board. Um, I don't know if this is dumb or not. Like Dan said, this is my pick. Uh, I'm going to take the Ravens special teams. Um, <laughs> no, I, I am wow. literally, I do not have another pick. That was why I wanted to do another round. I do not have another pick. So oh, the draft no. is just going to have to be done after this. I am, I have never been more mad on a podcast. I was so excited. I had it waiting in my back pocket. I had all the research. I'm living. So I, I have nothing else. We have to end it after here, Dan, or you can make a pick. I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm opting out. I've traded my pick to next year's version of oh, this draft. Man, that's so good. Wow, I I didn't wow. think, you know, when we started this podcast, I didn't think somebody was going to throw their hands up and get mad about the 10th pick in the draft, which was a special teams unit. <laughs> oh, absolutely. We are going to get mad over this. They're like one yeah, of the best well, special and that's teams the thing. I think football. I mean, look, Justin Tucker and I mean, I think he's a Hall of Famer. Like I think, you know, he, he absolutely deserves to be a Hall of Famer. He's the best kicker of all time. Um, one of my favorite stats was that when he kicked the game winner over the Bengals last year, uh, somebody, you know, they did the numbers of, of the, like the, the actual kick. And it was like, if the field goal posts were a wide law or a yard wide, he would have made the kick. Like it, he's, he's just ridiculous. But I do think that kind of does a disservice when you have that level of player um, to kind of the rest of the unit. I mean, their special teams are really good. Um, Harbaugh was a former special teams coach. They're always very, very good in special teams. Their DVOA was up there. And I think like top three in terms of, um, you know, in terms of special teams coverage. Uh, I really, really like their punter, Jordan Stout. I like their kick returner and punt returner, Devin Duvernay. Like the special teams unit as a whole for the Ravens is really, really good. Justin Tucker is just, you get inside the 50 and you're in field goal range. So I feel really good about Justin Tucker. Um, as Ashley, you'll never speak to me again, but, um, I, uh, I do like the Ravens special teams here. I think that they're, I mean, they're just, they're a really, really good group and I understand positional value and all that, but they're, they're just so good. I once, and it was probably ill-advised. I once called Justin Tucker the scariest <laughs> player in the NFL. You did. That is somewhere in this podcast, player, yeah. in the feed somewhere. So, so, so this is good. Uh, but, well, you know, part of that is what you said, like, you know, the Ravens, let's say the Ravens are down a point and they return the kickoff to the 35. You know, they need 15 yards for Justin Tucker to have a shot to win the game. Like, that's that's insane to, to think about. Um, okay, so Ashley, there's at least one group here 
There, there, there are two draftable groups still on the board. There's actually probably I, a few, uh, but there's at I'm least gonna, one. I mean, truly, without thinking about here. this again, I was, I was that's, going to take Raven special teams. So, <laughs> since I can't take those, I have to take another Browns group because I genuinely can't justify taking another Bengals group with, with what's left or another Steelers group. Um, I'm going to go with the Browns receivers here. Because if I have to project between the Ravens receivers or the Browns receivers, I'm going to go with the Browns receivers. And maybe I'm too high on them right now. But again, I need everyone to know if this is a horrible take six months from now, Andrew stole my Ravens special teams pick. I did not want to take it. I'm taking them in protest. This is this is the wrong Browns. This is the wrong Browns group. Really? Did I not think about it? Really? Did I just think too quickly? This I might get know. you. This might get you tweeted at. Really? Who did I? Who Dis- am I forgetting? Disrespect. Unless I oh, just have it written no. down. No, I. Both of the position groups that I'm thinking of are both projecting, ish. Okay. To me, so I'm gonna take and I'm. We'll talk about it if you're taking them next. <laughs> well, <laughs> I've wanted to take the Ravens O O line. Yeah, but. I also don't want Greg Newsom to tweet at us and say, "How can you?" That's fair. Us like that. So well, I'm going to take the Browns' defensive backs here just to save us the the Twitter trouble. Um, but I, I, I was thinking the Browns' DBs and the Ravens' O line as, okay. as probably the last. I don't two. know enough about the Ravens' O line to have considered them. I just I'm so always head focused on the Browns' O line that no one else in the division can live up to me. So maybe that's a bad take. I'm sure it is, but I understand, Dan. Well, part of it is I, I still have a, a soft spot for our, our buddy Kevin Zeitler, who was in Cleveland for a little while. And Ronnie Stanley did single-handedly just destroy the Browns' defensive line because Jadavion Clowney was so mad that he had he to get matched up with him. civil war in the Browns' locker room <laughs> after the game. Andrew, people. was there anybody, was there any, like, egregious misses here that, that you can think of? So our, our last three picks were Ravens special teams, Browns wide receiver, and again, Browns DBs, but also kind of the yeah. Ravens you know, I think with, with not to, again. I, I started it. I started this whole thing by saying I don't want to be a homer, but um, you know, I don't want to be a homer here. But uh, look, I understand quarterbacks are not a part of this. I understand that quarterback changes the math on this a lot. Um, you know, because if you have a quarterback and some good receivers, you're feeling good. But I, I think you know the Bengals actually had. I mean, we only picked one Bengals group throughout the entire. Uh, 12 picks which which feels like I don't think in in the moment I didn't think any of those picks were egregious I didn't think you know oh my god what are you doing picking that you know okay that makes sense you know but I think kind of looking back at it the Bengals deserved a little bit more love um you know I mean we mentioned Shobi Awuzie um you know he's I mean if he can come back healthy you've got uh, a player who's playing at a Pro Bowl level last year you've got Mike Hilton, who might be the best slot corner in the league, um, you know, playing there. You got Cam Taylor Britt, who I thought played really, really well down the stretch last year. Uh, they're really athletic. They have a former first-round pick, Dax Hill, 2021, 2022 first-round pick, and Dax Hill in their, in sec- in their secondary at safety. Um, they just signed Nick Scott. Like, I think the Bengals secondary would have been fine. The Bengals offensive line, I think, is actually a sneaky pick here. Um you add Orlando Brown Jr. and from left to right, like you, you kind of go through it. Okay, Orlando Brown Jr. really solid tackle. 
Jonah Williams is now like your second best tackle. Like you, you, you really increased the group there. I think their guards are pretty, pretty good with Alex Kappa and Cordell Volson. So I think the Bengals got a little bit underrated here. I, again, I don't want to sound too much like a Homer, but I, I just look at the list and the defending AFC North champions in a non quarterback draft have one pick that, that feels weird. Yeah. I think too, that it feels like there should have sure, yeah. been a home for that Bengals D line. Um, that that's one that, that we probably could have squeezed in here somewhere. The only other ones I'm looking at are, you know, you, you had mentioned the Ravens running backs with Dobbins and, and the Gus bus. You could maybe make a case for them if, if you want to put them in over just kind of the one back Browns pick. But I, I do think Nick Chubb, and personally, I think Nick Chubb is the best runner in, in the NFL. Um, so I, I think his talent alone maybe puts him there. But that, that's one group that I maybe am, am looking at as, as one we might have missed. But I, I don't think there's any real egregious misses here, Ashley. I don't think so either. Like, I think we kind of hit all the all the major groups. I mean, I felt like kind of by the third round, it was getting kind of eh, like dicey. Like the top of this list is really, I think, set in stone almost like maybe the top five or so picks. But yeah, after that, it's kind of like make your argument and tell us why. And I think you can do that for a handful of different position groups in this division. Okay, I'll go through this one more time because obviously everybody listening to podcasts loves uh, loves when you read lists. Uh, Andrew kicked us off with the number one pick, took the Bengals wide receivers. Ashley went two and took the Browns D-line. I went third and took the Steelers D-line. Andrew fourth, the Browns O-line. Ashley fifth, the Browns running backs. Uh, I went sixth, Ravens defensive backs. Then it was the Ravens linebackers to Andrew, Ravens tight ends to Ashley, Steelers wide receivers to me. And then we wrapped it up. And let's just take a second to note here that Ashley insisted we do a fourth round so that she could take the Ravens special teams. I am am literally ill over this happening to me. And that is when Andrew jumped in with the first pick in the final round that Ashley insisted on doing. I was so excited. And part of the reason was when you didn't take them, Dan, I was like, (laughs) oh, good. Andrew has to find a Steelers pick. And then he starts, he fakes me out. He had me in the first half. He starts talking about, we've only taken one Bengals pick. I'm like, well, surely our Bengals writer is going to have some informed analysis on another Cincinnati position group that we have forgotten. That's nope. the games, the gamesmanship of the draft. I know. I it's it's my own fault. It's I Played did it. this to myself. Played it perfectly. Uh, so he takes the Ravens special teams at number ten, which leaves Ashley picking up the pieces. Comes away with the Browns wide receivers at eleven, and then I took the Browns defensive backs at twelve. Uh, but still, giving an honorable mention to that Ravens offensive line uh, in the process. Okay, that was fun. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to Strictly Stripes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Make sure you're subscribed to Orange and Brown Talk on Apple Podcasts and Spotify uh, as well. We are going to do a few more of these uh, as, as we move forward, heading into training camp and heading into the season for Andrew and Ashley. Thanks for listening. Everybody.